and welcome to the Big Happy Life podcast. I'm Natalie Britt, and this week I wanted to talk to you about the stories we tell ourselves and how they shape the decisions we make, what we believe to be true, and where we go with that information. I have a little bit of a predicament right now because yesterday my daughter lied to me. She lied to my husband and me, actually. And we're still dealing with the fallout of that and as parents trying to work out how we move forward. But part of what's making the experience more difficult is the stories that my husband and myself are letting run in our minds and where that's taking us. And so it got me thinking about the stories we all tell ourselves and how those stories come to be and what power they hold. So I thought perhaps maybe as a bit of catharsis to tell you what happened this weekend, but also to kind of think through the stories I'm telling myself and give you the opportunity to do the same if you are facing difficult, challenging situations and would benefit perhaps from just pulling back and thinking about the stories that are running through your mind that may be incomplete or untrue. So let's see where this leads us. So here's what happened on Bank Holiday Monday. We had some friends over. We're still in those early stages of coming out of lockdown. So we all had to sit outside. It's quite cold. And after lunch, my daughter and the other family's daughter said, could they go for a walk and meet up with one of my daughter's friends? We said, sure. You know, they're going to go for a walk in the park. And then they'd come back. We said, be back by six. And this was at about half past four. So they would be out for an hour and a half having a walk and then they would come back. And the friend that they were going to see was a girl called Mandy. So off they go. My daughter had her phone with her. I wasn't super concerned. She's normally pretty good about staying in touch. All well and good. But then six o'clock comes and goes. And at about five past six, I get a text message from Jennifer's mother saying that my daughter and Jennifer had met up and gone for a walk and that my daughter's phone was dead and she is on her way home now. Now, Jennifer and Mandy live in opposite directions. So the information that I had had about where my daughter was going, in what direction she was walking and where she would be, would be incorrect based on the fact that she wasn't with Mandy, she was with Jennifer. So by the time she got home just before quarter past six, my husband and I had decided that he would drive the car off the driveway and wait around the corner so that when my daughter got home, I would say to her that he was out looking for her and that he had gone to Mandy's house looking for her. Which, as I'm saying it, I realize, of course, is our lying to her. But we really wanted to drive home the point because we've had this conversation with her multiple times where she's agreed a time to come home and she's been five or ten minutes late And we've talked to her about it so many times to say, look, we need to know that we can count on you. If you make a commitment, you must stick to it. So anyway, we decided to play it that way. She got home. I made the whole show of phoning him to say, look, she's here. Everything's fine. Come back. And then I asked her about the visit with Mandy in the hope that she would say, oh, no, as it turns out, we didn't meet up with Mandy. We met up with Jennifer. But she didn't. She kept the story going about Mandy And I said, so you did meet up with Mandy? And she went, yes. I said, so why did I get a message from Jennifer's mother saying that you were with her? So then she said, oh, well, actually we did. We met up with Mandy just for a few minutes, but then she had to go. And then we met up with Jennifer. Anyway, 
to cut a very long story as short as possible, the family friend who was with my daughter to meet up with Mandy or Jennifer or whoever at this point, um, she was saying that they had only met up with one girl. My daughter was saying they met up with two. So it took us about an hour of going back and forth. The friends left and... My daughter was in floods, absolute floods of tears about this whole thing. She's going, why does she lie about me? Why does she try and get me into trouble? Blah, 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 a whole big drama. And so I contacted Mandy's mom and I left a message for her just to try and get to the bottom of like what happened. And the whole thing sounds ridiculous because who she's with wouldn't have made any difference. They are two very lovely girls. She would have gotten a yes no matter which one she went to. But the fact that she had lied about it was the problem. So she ends up getting more and more upset. And eventually I went into her bedroom. She was in her bed. She was crying, had the duvet over her head. And I just sat down. I said to her, would you like a hug? And she sat up and she curled into my body. I stroked her hair. And I started talking to her again. And she was crying again. Why did the friend lie? Why was she trying to get her into trouble? All of that stuff that she'd already said. She couldn't understand it. And I said, look, well, I phoned Mandy's mom. So as soon as she gets back to me, we'll have all the information we need. And then I can phone our family friends and I can explain that actually it was their daughter who wasn't telling the truth. And then they can handle it how they want to. So at that moment, my phone rings and it's Mandy's mom. So I said, look, this is Mandy's mom. We'll have the answer in a moment. And then we can put this behind us. And I get up and I walk out of the room. I take the call. And of course, it turns out that... My daughter's texts to Mandy were never answered. Mandy didn't answer those texts and she didn't go out. She's been home the whole afternoon. So I walk back into my daughter's room and she is sitting up, but she's now pulled the duvet back over her head. So there's this just big mound of duvet on her bed. And I went, you already know what she said, don't you? And she kind of went, mm. I said, you need to think about what you want to say. I'm going to walk away. And I left her room and I was a few steps away and she just went, I'm so sorry, mom. And I was like, okay. And I walked away, went down the stairs and I could hear her howling. I mean, howling, hysterical upstairs. But I was so angry, I couldn't go up there. But really, it wasn't anger. It was fear. Because... If you listen to this podcast regularly, you already know something really important about my daughter. That she was seven when I met her. Until she was five, she lived with her birth mother. Then she was in foster care for two years, and I met her the day after she turned seven years old. So trust is not something we've ever been able to take for granted. It's something that we've had to work at really, really hard. But instantly, the stories in my mind were ones where none of that work had paid off. Brene Brown, in her book Rising Strong, she calls these shitty first drafts that the stories we write in our minds are like the really bad first drafts of books. You know, those early stories that come to your mind, the first things you think of and the ways you make sense and apply meaning, that they are clumsy and incomplete and that it's really, really worth questioning those. And so that's kind of a part of why I'm recording this episode, because the shitty first draft in my head right now is that she doesn't love me, that she will never tell me the truth, and that I am not enough as a mother, that I will never be able to connect with her in a way that is meaningful enough 
for her to feel that she wants to tell me the truth. I just don't matter to her. The trouble is, if I go ahead with that story, where does it leave me? Because from that vantage point, nothing I do or say is ever going to make a difference, which means I'm powerless in the situation. And I also think a lot of that shitty first draft is coming from having told myself a similar story many times over throughout my life, through my childhood, with friends. I have so many memories of friendships at school and feeling that exact same sense of meaninglessness, like it wasn't real, like they didn't care about me, like I was nothing. And I think a lot of us have those types of stories just waiting for us in the wings. So when big stuff happens, where we have to be vulnerable, step out of our comfort zones, be strong enough to stand up, be who our kids need us to be, be who we need ourselves to be, whatever it is, that those shitty first drafts have to be examined and looked at and I guess accepted for what they are. Just those early versions, incomplete or possibly even completely wrong stories that need to be rewritten. And perhaps you've got those situations too. Perhaps some things happened for you recently. Maybe you've screwed up something and it hasn't gone the way you wanted it to. But the stories you're telling yourself might be ones that come from much older situations or much deeper rooted beliefs about your own worthiness and your own value and what you're capable of. And so I think those stories require our attention because in the absence of giving them attention, I think they can run amok. If I wasn't recording this, I think I would have had to sit down and really maybe journal or record something to help me make sense of what's going through my head and how I'm feeling. Because when my daughter gets home from school today, we still have to have another conversation about this whole thing. And I need it to be one that is going to help us take another step forward. I think every time these kind of mini catastrophes happen that cause us to question everything, I think... They expose our stories. They expose the little patterns underneath everything we tell ourselves. And that gives us an opportunity to nurture and develop better stories, more useful, more powerful, more engaging, more inspiring stories about who we are and what we believe about ourselves and what's possible. I absolutely refuse to accept that my relationship with my daughter is hollow and will remain so for the duration of her lifetime. And in order for me to take a step forward, I therefore have to move beyond that shitty first draft and create a much richer, a much more meaningful and a much more compelling story. Now, in Rising Strong, Brene Brown suggests three questions that we can ask ourselves to help with that. And the three questions are, What more do I need to learn and understand about this situation? Then what more do I need to learn and understand about the other people in the story? And then what more do I need to learn and understand about myself? 
So rather than turn this into a recorded therapy session, which it's kind of on the border of being already, thank you very much for listening, um, I have set about answering those questions separately, but I share them with you here in case you are experiencing something similar that will allow you to go and delve into some of those questions to help you make sense of what else needs to be included in the story, what else you need to think about in terms of you, whoever else is involved, and also what happened. And as I think about my situation, of course, I have to take into account some of the things that my husband and I put into the mix, like driving off the driveway. So it was already a much bigger deal in her mind at the point at which she had to decide, do I tell the truth or not? That She was already kind of in trouble, if you like. And so her natural instinct as somebody who is utterly terrified of being in trouble is to do anything and everything possible to minimize the catastrophe. The other thing I also have to bear in mind at this point is that my daughter has experienced early life trauma and quite significant early life trauma. And so one of the things I know about the development of children who have been in similar situations is that very often their stress response is hair trigger sensitive which means that by doing what we did and escalating her stress, she would have been less likely to think clearly than had we been really, really calm and really welcoming and smiling when she came home and then asked her the question. That potentially would have given us a different result. I don't know for certain. As I say, I tried the much calmer and much more soothing approach a bit later on in the afternoon, but by then... She was already entrenched in the lie, so it's very difficult to know. But actually, the main point of this whole thing is that the stories we tell ourselves are very often incomplete or incorrect, but we treat them as though they are fact. We treat them as though they are real, and we move ahead without examining that. In my situation, I hazard that in the absence of analyzing the stories I'm telling myself and really understanding how incomplete or potentially incorrect they are, I would risk damaging the relationship with my daughter, which is exactly the opposite of what I want to do. And so I encourage you in any situation where you are experiencing this kind of stress and this kind of upheaval that you really stop to question the things that you feel certain about, that feel so true to you that you're not necessarily questioning them. The likelihood is that somewhere in that bundle is a story. And if that story is not one that empowers you or presents you with a little bit more in terms of options, something that helps you see your way clear, how to figure out you know, what the next step is rather than making the whole situation worse, something that will allow you to take a step that makes the situation better, you want to go into those stories and examine them. And when you do and you start to test them and you start to play with them and you start to think about what you don't know or what you need to learn more about, you start to create options that can lead you in the direction of whatever it is that you would rather have. So in my case, rather than having this damaged, hollow, trustless relationship with my daughter, I am going for the exact opposite, the nurturing, caring, open, honest, totally trusting relationship. And we have a really, really long way to go. But what I know is that the stories I'm telling myself are going to need to change if they are going to be helpful. So that's what I'm off to do now. 
I really hope this episode helps you take a step in whatever direction is important to you. Again, as always, I would absolutely love to hear from you. If you'd like to comment, visit the show notes page on bighappylife.co.uk. And you can also find the Big Happy Life Facebook group, and you can find that at Big Happy Life page. For now, though, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.